tens of millions of families with Alzheimer's disease and dementia all over the world, including our family. We are Alls in the Fam. I'm Alan Fair. And I'm Polly Fair Noise. We're siblings, we are parents, but we're also caregivers. This is our podcast. This is our support group. Welcome to our family. Alzheimer's sucks, but this family lives, laughs, and learns as we fight for a cure. Welcome. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to talk about the journey to our mother's diagnosis, what we did, the steps involved, and the ultimate culmination in it, which is is quite a journey. Yeah. So, Alan, you may remember Bonnie and I had been talking about there's something wrong with mom. She, one of the big catalysts was her forgetting to show up when you were in town and she you brought your grandson, you know, her grandson to right. visit her. Right. Um, and uh, we knew something was wrong. She didn't remember recent events at all. So uh, we made an appointment with the primary care doctor to start out. Mom was resistant to that. Do you recall that? She just denied having any problems, but we said, well, this is just a checkup. This is just a physical. You want to have a primary care doctor. I, I do remember, and... I would have to describe her attitude as quite defiant, which I, it's, it's difficult to say, but I would imagine that's probably an attitude that I think a lot of caregivers or soon-to-be caregivers get from their loved one who may be suffering from an early onset of dementia is I think everyone reaches a point in their life where they know that their independence is being threatened and it's, in a way, you want that threat to be this external threat. There's nothing wrong with you, so keep away from me. You're not going to take me out of my home and put me in a home. And so I think we we felt a bit of that defiance on, yeah, I, on mom's part. From my point of view, it's understandable if yep, somebody said— uh, there's something wrong with you, and I didn't remember anything I'd done that would be out of character, I'd be defiant too. So uh, the first thing we did was make an appointment with her, with a primary care doctor, happened to be the one that I myself go to, and um, they knew the reason we were coming in. My mom somewhat did not. We just said, well, we want to get checked out. So the doctor sent in her assistant to evaluate my mom using the mini mental status exam, which is a standard exam with a series of questions that helps caregivers, or not caregivers, but health professionals evaluate a person. Um, she delivered the exam by saying, you know, can you count backwards from 100 by sevens? Mom did pretty well on that part. Wow, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm I not sure I could do a good I've job. I've been practicing. Right. Um, and then she asked mom to remember three things, and she told her three words: you know, ball, kite, tree, something like that. And uh, told mom she was going to ask her again to remember those in about thirty seconds. And thirty seconds later, when she asked mom, mom said, "What? Three words? I don't know." And then. And the woman, the the assistant said, no, remember I told them to you. And mom just started looking around and naming things in the room, lamp, you know, table, 
chair. Wow, I don't, I don't think I knew the specifics no. of this story. Although listening to it, I'm terrified because, for example, I got to 93 and I'm like, uh, 86. <laughs> hey, math uh, isn't your strong suit. <laughs> I wish as an English too. major, yeah, I did, we all ended up okay in life, though. So. Yeah. Well, it, that is a unique facet of watching your mother get tested is trying to make sure you can pass it too. And, and it is scary when you can't do it, um, do the things she does. Yeah, but my, anyway. my anxiety level just rose yeah. considerably. So anyway, um, the assistant finished the exam, and I was shocked. It really does do an amazing job of teasing out memory issues. Good. Um, so she left. We're sitting in the room for a while, pretending everything's okay. And the doctor came in, and she said, well, my assistant thinks your mom is fine because my mom was sitting there really as healthy as you can be in your 70s. I mean, looking great, tan probably because she liked to sit on her front porch and walk so much, um, uh, in fit. Uh, she looked Absolutely stunning for yeah. her age up until very recently we, yeah. because she's gained weight and, well, she's 84 now. But when she was 74, she, was, she yeah. looked 58. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. She was beautiful and just healthy, 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 the picture right. of health. So um, I, to me, it was very profound when the doctor admitted that people didn't want to believe including her own assistant who had delivered this exam who had and and didn't believe that there was anything wrong with our mom but she had definitely failed that exam and definitely had at least mild cognitive impairment um, being a primary care physician and internist this doctor referred us to a neurologist to really tease things out more um, eventually we made it to a neurologist who said, it wasn't just mild cognitive impairment with mom, but she definitely had um, Alzheimer's in the moderate, not moderate, the early stages of Alzheimer's. So um, we made our way to a neurologist, and this was an interesting thing. Neurologists are so busy because of this crush of people that are developing Alzheimer's that you cannot, you can't get an appointment. So right. I made, tried to get an appointment in February, and they told me, December was when I could come in. Well, you hear that, and as a sidebar, you hope that the current crop of kids and students that want to be doctors, that there's an increase in neurologists out there because there's certainly going to be an increase in cases of Alzheimer's and dementia and all, all the more importance of for someone who's noticing memory loss in themselves or noticing memory loss in a loved one to begin this right. journey because it is just a log jam in the healthcare system. It really is, yeah. Um, so eventually we got tired of waiting. Mom's showing increasing signs of having no orientation to time and place, doesn't know what day it is. Um, I started making calls. I called the Alzheimer's Association, and they said, well, there's a memory disorders program at Georgetown University. So I called there and got an appointment for October. And when I called, it was August by the time I got fed up. And so that was pretty good, only a couple months. And we went there and met with a neurologist and a nurse practitioner in the neurology department who really did everything um, at the time. And she 
did the same mini mental status exam, and mom failed with flying colors <laughs> once again. Did you notice, could you compare it to the first time she took it, and was she worse, or it was just bad both times? Or uh, Interestingly, it's bad. it gets bad in different ways. I've seen her even 10 years later do very well on the counting backwards by sevens, and then other times just can't even get to 93, the first the first step back from 100 to, uh, by sevens. Um, she also did a complete physical exam. There was blood work done. We found out our mom was low on vitamin B12, which can cause memory issues. So we started her on doses of B12 and also a standard early Alzheimer's drug, which doesn't cure the disease, but can help with confusion or I don't, I mean, you can look it up. I'm not a doctor again, but right. we were going all in trying to help mom since we knew she had. We began our own respective regimens with vitamin B12 right. as well. Coconut oil was part of it, but I think I've stopped that. I, I recommend you would too. <laughs> the, with the coconut oil? Well, I, I'm not sure how helpful it is. I mean, I think eating healthy is important, right. and I've really, I've really changed the way I eat over the course of my mom's disease. Um, sure, but in well, it, I it, it's interesting that we're talking about coconut oil, and you're saying I would discontinue it. I wouldn't. I in in a disease where there is no cure. Right. I I take my teaspoon full of coconut oil and yeah. you know mix it in my my coffee or tea and to me it's it's a little teaspoon of hope right well, because hey, excellent who, point whether whether I get dementia or not mm-hmm. maybe this was doing something that helped ward it off a year or two or if I don't get it, maybe that was the right. thing. We just th- there's just so many unknowns to it. So um, it might help. It's yeah. not hurting. That's the important thing. Right. So uh, since we were at Georgetown, they have they run a series of not a series, but they have. Um, so they run. Um, they have some studies they're involved in. They get funding from uh, drug companies or other places, and they run Alzheimer's studies. And eventually they recommended our mom would be a good candidate to enroll in one of these Alzheimer's studies. Um, and so she was enrolled in a, in a big Alzheimer's study that eventually, well, we can tell you how that ends later. But, um, and we started being seen every month by a neurologist. And I can't tell you how invaluable and how wonderful that was for us because when you're not enrolled in a study and you're trying to see a neurologist, you can wait a year between appointments, sometimes two years. Meanwhile, older people will often be taking more and more different uh, medications or getting sick in other ways, and you need to you need a doctor who's overseeing all of it and thinking about how it might help or hurt their dementia. Of course. Um, anyway, so we had a wonderful experience with our neurologist, and it was the first time we got a real diagnosis and a tiny shred of hope in getting some medications that might help and being part of a study. And This we- was roughly, so we're recording this in March of 2020. This was 
around the time when there was a lot of hope that I believe uh, there were several pharmaceutical companies that were kind of looking at the same, I'm not sure if I'm using the right term, but um, mechanism of action where where they were really focused on the plaques the in the brain. The plaques, that's right. And um, not to spoil the thunder of of, uh, of your story, I, yeah. I, I live in New York, so you, you're you are much more involved in the day-to-day management of of mom, but there was a lot of hope that there were these breakthrough therapies being developed that were going to target the plaques. And by targeting the plaques, that could do something where, I don't know if it was going to help get rid of the plaques, but there was there was so much promise that right. of things being developed there. And I think mom's trial in so many of these trials, which represents probably untold billions of dollars that the pharmaceutical uh, industry spent in research where it looks like at least right now, at the time of this recording, that if they have the plaques, it's too late. Right. And, and it's how do you target it earlier? And so I, I, I bring that up just to set the context that I think that hope that you were talking about, that you were feeling, I think, was that for anyone that had Alzheimer's at the time or was going through, it was going through this process, there really was a lot of hope, which has sort of been recalibrated now. Yeah, so the amyloid hypothesis, it's not that it's been debunked, it just, there were a lot of studies that were done and it turned out it wasn't, um, it wasn't working. It just wasn't, the data wasn't significant enough for them to continue to spend the money on this specific hypothesis. Right, Um, and I I do think that there might be one that was, they re-looked at the data and re-upped the study, and again, we're so thankful the best experience being in a study, just the access to the doctors and the, the, the people that work at the, on the studies and are helpful, the, the assistants, the physicians, everyone are just fabulous. And you don't really get that anywhere else if you're just going to your primary care doctor or you've got a neurologist you're seeing once a year, once in every year and a half. Um, one of our um, contacts at Georgetown told me, oh, once you're in a study, you're like family. You can call me anytime. And I literally have. So we had getting diagnosed was tough. My mom denied the whole thing. But um, but she got such great care from those people. Uh, really, the people at um, Georgetown, and I'm sure at since then... Spoiler alert, I've, I've also enrolled in the study myself, and I found the same thing at a different location. Um, different neurologist? Different neurologist, different city um, oh, of uh, New York, right. yeah. But they really, once you enroll in a study, treat you like family. So, Do you still have access to the neurologists involved in the program at Georgetown University that oh, yeah. mom's in? Mom okay. sees her every six months, um, and she... She follows mom. She will talk to uh, any one of her caregivers and give advice if something, if some new uh, symptoms or troubling activities are cropping up, and we've had a few of those. She also gave us such good ideas about early stages, what we could do to help mom. And one was to there was a there are Alzheimer's daycare programs if you're out there and you need to know. And we'll I think we should delve into that in another episode, but. 
lifesavers and fabulous, really good for caregivers right. to have a little break and also great for the Alzheimer's patient. So, so critical for caregivers. Um, my father-in-law also has dementia, vascular dementia. It's a complication of his type 2 diabetes. And his wife, my mother-in-law, is really struggling with taking care of him, um, the amount of of care and, and patience. And uh, this is someone who's very prideful and, and private. So the idea of being in a community of people who are there to share personal things is a bit of a stretch for her. Um, so we've been working with her to say, no, this is okay. Even though it's private, it's, it's private for others, but there's, there's something about just being in community with people, even if it's something potentially negative or embarrassing, um, being with others, it helps. Yeah. Now it's a specific kind of suffering to be a caregiver alone, caring for someone with Alzheimer's. It, it is just, it can be devastating. And so, as we've said, we're lucky to have each other as siblings. And um, I know your wife has a sibling who helps, but it is for uh a spouse stuck at home with someone with Alzheimer's, it is a it is a rough journey, in many ways rougher on them than the person with Alzheimer's in the sense that the person with Alzheimer's doesn't know that they were just maybe very rude or um, sure. non-compliant. It's true. Um, I mean, imagine you work your whole life, you finally have enough where you feel you can comfortably retire. And in the case of my in-laws, this was the... They're in their 70s. Time to enjoy your golden years. Oh, except that now you have dementia and you're spending your golden years as a caretaker for the other I saw that a lot uh, when I was taking mom to the daycare place we talked about. Um, You just look in these people's eyes and you can see the dreams they had for their wonderful retirement have their dead it's not going to happen anymore. So yeah, it's sad. Um, it's form form the community, and I, I want to go back to the the study because I think, and I just want to clarify that is when the actual mom's actual diagnosis took place when she was enrolled in Georgetown. So, based on the primary care physician's evaluation, she met the criteria for early stage dementia. Um, I, I don't know if, if you know this, Alan, but um, they really can't diagnose for sure what caused the dementia until a person dies. It's an autopsy and they look at their brain to see what it was. Uh, Alzheimer's is the most common one. And so it's likely Alzheimer's, um, Alzheimer's. But uh, we were not told your mom has Alzheimer's. We were told your mom has dementia it looks like early stages, she needs to see a neurologist. At the neurologist was the first time they said, she has mild Alzheimer's. And they give you a number that correlates with uh, what level of Alzheimer's on that uh, mini mental status exam. And I think when we first saw mom, she might've been like a, when we first got that number, it was like a 23. Mm -hmm. She's down to eight at this point um, on that exam. And our most recent visit in uh, just, 
four or five months ago. Um, so, you know, if you or I went and took that exam, we'd probably be in the 30s. Um, and I, I don't know what the upper limit is. It, it's 35, 32, something like that. That would be a healthy person. That would be a healthy person with no signs of even mild cognitive impairment. Okay. So, so eight's pretty low. Eight's pretty low. She's definitely in the moderate stage at this point. Yeah. Um, it hasn't been a linear journey. It doesn't just go straight downhill. She's had, and this is even at six-month intervals, where she's kind of popped up a little bit. Um, and I've noticed that in her disease, too. She's better some days than others. Um, right. So she can't handle large groups as well. That, that makes it harder for her. Um, so you remember a year ago, we had a birthday party for her. She kept going to the bathroom. And I think it is to get away from all the confusion. It's very confusing when eight people are talking and you don't remember. Right. Um, we've had... We've had an issue, not an issue, but a thing where our, the kids that go through um, puberty and suddenly they're four inches taller than the last time you saw them. Um, she has a hard time kind of recognizing them now. It's true. Yeah. Now so. I, I think she doesn't really know who Ava is. So Ava is my youngest daughter who's seven and also the youngest of um, all of us siblings, right. our our kids. So they range from ages 24 to seven. So Polly's daughter, Alex, is 24. My daughter, Ava, is seven. And so I think mom is aware that Ava exists and there's this eighth and, and likely final grandchild, but Ava is a baby in her mind. So when the seven-year-old girl pops up, I think yeah. she maybe knows that this child belongs to her in a way, but doesn't right. know who she is, what her name is, you know, yeah. and it enjoys her, but no idea who, who yeah. Ava is. So uh, we FaceTime you often with mom to try and keep the memories fresh of you and your children. And I think you've seen, and poor Ava, mom always says, oh, baby, how are you? Calls her a baby constantly. And I remember a couple of years ago, Ava saying, I'm not a baby, I'm not a baby. Right. And uh, it's amazing how resilient the kids are and how wonderful they are. She doesn't say that anymore. She understands that something's wrong with grandma and just doesn't correct her anymore and really allows allows grandma to treat her somewhat like a baby sometimes and right. just lets it roll off. Made her a beautiful picture the other day. We saw that on FaceTime, like a yes. painting. Yes. Um, so uh, if there's any wonderful bright side to Alzheimer's, it's how amazing our kids have been with our mother. Don't you right. think? I mean, it is. It, it's it's great. I even um, wrote something on social media on her um, birthday, and now when when I talk to her, it's it's the same circular conversation. Um, she asks me if I'm happy. She asks she asks me if I like my job, and. She asks. She says, "How are those babies doing?" Right. Because she doesn't. She doesn't really know their name. She just knows that I have kids, and she and they're frozen in time. They're they're very young. Because um, unfortunately, you know, like we can kind of use my son Marcos as a benchmark of 
yeah. her as he ascends into early um, adulthood. Um, it, you can track it. It's like an inverse with her decline. Yeah. She calls um, my kids babies too. It's a way, a blanket term. How are the babies? Right. So the one thing that Ava, again, my, my seven-year-old, uh, offers in her observations of, of grandma and mom is that she says, Mama Mia, Papa Pia, a lot, which, which she does probably a hundred times a day in non sequitur like fashion. Yeah. It's almost like this thing that she uses to fill her dead air space. I, uh, I agree. I think it's a it's sort of a defense mechanism. Yeah, she's saying something and greeting right. and and uh, it's funny. Uh, there are some caregivers she has now, uh, not family caregivers, who call her, oh, Mama Mia, Papa Pia. They right. have sort of made a game where they'll say Mama Mia, she'll answer back Papa Pia, or she'll say it back and right. forth to her. So it, yeah, she's she's different, but there is still a desire to be social. And it's amazing that your your kids have picked up on that as a way to, you know, at a young age, they really... Right. Uh, they're really well, resilient. And I'm burying the lead here, actually, the point of what she says over and over again, the thing that she says the most over and over again to her children and her grandchildren is, I love you. Right. Over True. and over and over again. And so I think underneath all her exploding neurons and, and other things, that love really sits underneath that. And she knows that. And, and that's a really sad yet beautiful thing right. that this is this is her legacy she wants all of us to know yeah how loved we are and i think that even ava at 7 would would also say she she just always says i love you and 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 if that's the best that ava's going to get from her grandmother cuz she'll never get to know the mom she was to us or the grandmother she was to the older, um, right. our older children. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty good. That's a pretty good way to remember your grandmother, the yeah. woman who just said, yeah. Mama Mia, Papa Pia, and I love you yeah. over right. and over again. I'll point out, I think it's great that the kids see that we love our mom, right? It's They right. understand family is, you know, we take care of each other, we love each other. That's right. We're all in the fam. All right. Thanks for listening to All's in the Fam. In the fight against Alzheimer's and dementia, we are all family. Find us at All's in the Fam on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and on our website, allsinthefampodcast.com. We appreciate you clicking that subscribe button on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast catcher may be. Alzheimer's sucks, but we are in it together. We are alls in the family. Talk soon.